Coming up in Need to Know, we highlight breast cancer awareness and point out that more Black women die of breast cancer than any other type. We discuss four things that every Black woman should do right now. In all the fields, Orgasmic October continues with the breakdown of the origin and complexity of leather and lace. And in Gotta Do, we spook the hell out of you with our annual Halloween preview, the podcast that encourages you to know, feel, and do to live your best life. This is Ward and Webster. Hello, Bianca. (sighs) (laughs) Hello. (laughs) How you doing? I don't know. (laughs) Like, I literally don't know. There's a lot, a lot going on, but I am, I am, I am trying to be present in this moment and I come with a spirit of gratitude. How are you today? I'm great. Today's episode of Warden Webster's brought to you by the letter H. Let's H hear it. as in Hellcats. <laughs> what? <laughs> Where are so when I was in high school, so, you know, Jennifer and I went to high school, Jennifer, who's been on the show twice and is a former guest co-host of this show. She used to call these girls in high school that was just a mess, a hot mess, Hellcats. And I, <laughs> I just always thought it was so funny. Um, here's, here's why it's, relevant today. I am joining this show, as Bianca knows, and the Wanders will now know, because I'm about to tell you, from the Bahamas. I am here mm. vacationing with my mom and my sister, Miranda. And these two women are Hellcats because they are just like always up to something, doing the most. Miranda's walking around here in like what she calls a cover-up, but she's basically naked. Yeah, I love that for her. And mom is super, super particular about everything, even though she's paying for nothing. Just... <laughs> Hellcats, okay, Hellcats, and I'm saying it in the nicest, sweetest, most loving way. But they're they're doing the most down here, Bianca. But they're having a good time, and I guess that's all that matters. They're having a good time on your dime, so even better. <laughs> I love it. They're living their best life. <laughs> Please, I need to see pictures. I need to see. I need to see your sister's non-existent cover up, and she grown, so she'll have to. <laughs> So yesterday, so so I, we had this whole 10 minute discussion slash fight because she's like, cause she, we were walking over to the little spa gym area and she's like, oh, well, I'm going to go. I'm like, well, where are your clothes? And she's like, well, I'm wearing this little cover up. Now the cover up is a sheer see-through black lace thing. Yes! It covered up nothing. You could, you could literally see her whole body and what she was wearing underneath. Okay. So I said, I said, Miranda, I think cover up means you're covered up. <laughs> Technically, she is. It doesn't matter how sheer it is. It's covered up. But Bianca, if I can see straight through it, then you may as well not have it on. What is the point? What is the point of a cover up that you can literally see straight through? It doesn't cover up anything. It's just enough to like block out some of the elements. (laughs) It doesn't block out anything. It is see through. And it was black. It was a black sheer see through. So then today she had on a whole nother. She's got three different swimsuits. She's been to the pool once. And then today she's wearing like this, I don't even know how to describe it to you. I, I would have to take a picture and sh- I'll show you a picture of it. It's like black beaded number with another black over top with like this like spider's web hat. <laughs> it is absurd. It is foolishness and fuckery. But she's then, having a good time. Exactly. <clears throat> okay. So, but does she dress like this when she is not on vacation? I don't think so. I'm not with her when she's not on vacation, okay. but I'm, she bought, she bought these outfits specifically for here. So I guess yes. she feels like she's got to get her. 
as she should i am not mad at sis please get your money's worth and we talked about it in the beginning we were talking about like summer flings or whatever and how you're different on vacation because you don't know nobody you're living your best life i definitely know that when i'm on vacation people gonna see my belly button (laughs) it's gonna be a crop top out here in this week's need to know we sound the alarm on the unacceptably high number of black women who are dying of breast cancer for breast cancer awareness month we remind black women of the four things they must do right now so i know this is a little bit somber bianca but it is breast cancer awareness month and when i went back to listen to last year's shows I don't think we did anything for breast cancer awareness, if unless I'm misremembering. We did. We did it in a gotta do. We talked about, um, well, when we talked about the importance of breast and chest cancer, because oh, yes, yes, the the fact is that that uh, men and that and non-binary and trans folks can get chest cancer as well. But also, I think we were reminding folks to. Um, give to organizations that they know, like not just all of the the buy the pink things, like where do those dollars really be going, et cetera. So I think that was kind of the reminder of one, if, you know, this is the month and we're supporting to make sure that we are, are doing it with organizations that we know and trust. Um, and also I think we did kind of have that reminder to folks to um, get their exams. But I feel like this October, as I approach 40, you know, I'm very excited. The last time I had my physical, which was in January, my physician, she had mentioned to me, she was like, oh, it's almost time for you to start having mammograms. And I was like, yeah, because I've never, you know, I've never, I've never had them. And to my knowledge, um, at least on my mother's side, breast cancer doesn't run in my family. Um, so I've never really, I don't want to say given it much thought. I don't, I don't like to necessarily say that, but, um, or maybe not in the way that I should. But this year in particular, as one as I approach 40 and get ready to start having mammograms and then also thinking I was sharing one of our with one of our colleagues that um, somebody we know through work had posted on LinkedIn about her experience, a black woman having being diagnosed with breast cancer at 29 um, and what that was like for her. And then a second reoccurrence later in life. And and so she was also kind of just sounding the alarm for black women and, and just kind of talking about all those things. It was being very transparent in this post. Um, but again, just the reminder that as black women, we, we bear the brunt of all the things, right? Mm-hmm. Like just can't even say that enough what can we do we we know that the healthcare system is definitely not set up to support people of color period <laughs> um but black women um in a way that that is just continuously doing a disservice as we have more conversations about black maternal health etc but when it comes to black women and breast cancer the fact that we are more likely to die from it is still um, disheartening and mind blowing and, and concerning as I get older, as I even think about, you know, my own daughter. So I didn't know that they start the screenings at 40, if I'm being honest. And again, this is where I have to say that I'm not a a doctor or I don't have any licenses, but to me, that sounds like late to be starting the screenings. And so I think the the recommendation is, is that if you 
have a family history, you do it sooner, but otherwise it's at 40. But it, the advice from Isaiah is that if you're in your 30s, start touching those, those their titties um, and making sure that you're checking yourself. Bianca, I, um, not to put you on the spot, but I just, just speak for myself. I was stunned at some of these statistics, like to say that black women die more of breast cancer than all the other cancers put together. Like that is quite a statement right there. And I, you know, for the past like decade or so, folks have been really on cancer, the whole wear pink, October, et cetera, et cetera. But I feel like with so many other things, it's whitewashed. So I flew Delta. <laughs> I flew Delta from the United States here to the Bahamas. And as part of their little, you know, every airline gives you the little safety video before you take off. Mm -hmm. So for breast cancer awareness, um, they showed a video about breast cancer um, before they showed the safety video, which is, you know, that's great. Um, they were centering a white woman and her story about how she detected her cancer early and da 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 da, -da, -da. And I watched this and, and there was a black woman in the story, but the black woman wasn't the central character. She was like, the way that this story was framed, she was like the friend to the white lady who had had this experience. Now look, every, all women have cancer. That's, I'm not trying to make a comment about that. I'm glad that this woman found out about her situation and got the, the help that she needed. What the point I'm making here, Bianca, is that why couldn't there have been a woman of color centered in this story about the early detection? And are the people who really need to get this message getting it if they don't see themselves, hear themselves in the messaging? <laughs> You've talked, we both talked a lot about how visibility matters. And it's just like, I didn't, I didn't draw that connection until I saw these stats, which was a two days later. But now that I'm thinking back on it, I'm like, hmm, that video could have been done differently. And I didn't even think about it until I read these stats about Black women and breast cancer. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I also think, one, we don't see ourselves, period. <laughs> Do we have physicians um what are our medical providers saying to us like for one again medical mistrust is a thing i am i am grateful i never take for granted the fact that i have a black woman doctor that listens and is is proactive and i've said it on this show before all of the people that touch my body <laughs> in some form or fashion are black women my doctor my gyn my dentist my, like look um i'm very clear about that but that is that is not always the case and do you have you know do black women have physicians that really see them really really hear them really take into account what they're saying a lot of times we are not diagnosed early enough we are um discarded our our pain is seen as not real which is why a lot of you know women go through so many complications in pregnancy and delivery and and postpartum um so i'm not surprised that it that it wouldn't be the same with but speaking of cancer so you know, this week I've seen on the Today Show and Good Morning America, um, you know, all about the studies that have come out that have linked hair straightening. I want them to just say relaxes. They can say relaxes. Black folks know. That, <laughs> wait, is that not PC to say anymore? Because I didn't know we couldn't say that. Jericho? <laughs> Is that what we're that, talking about? No, we are That's not talking about a jerk. We're talking about the, the straightening, a jerry curl curl. <laughs> Who are you? And now there's a Gina curl? I just learned. Wait, what's, I guess. wait, I don't, I don't know what no, that is. No, no, no. <laughs> That's going to be a rabbit hole. It is. 
because I it's cute when they repackage the same things, but neither. Here okay, relax there. though. What's, yes. what's the song you were gonna make? Um, um, these studies that are coming out that are showing um, that are linking the uses of hair straightening products to increase um, uterine cancer um, in women, and so it's like it was 1.6 percent of of white women compared to like over four percent of of black women who are using these hair first of all i didn't even know white women were using any type of hair straightening products okay but it all goes back to you know black women we are using chemicals or straightening our hair or doing things um for years and just just the impact that it has on our body and it's taking all of this research to now come out and show a direct link between the hair straighteners and 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 cancer and so once again we are at risk so then my question then becomes okay so what are what is the medical field going to do about this because i've never been to a doctor and they say to me hey have you ever do you use relaxers on your what do you use on your hair so that we can make sure that we are covering all of our bases and not to make excuses for people but to be fair to them this is a very fraught conversation because when you're not part of a community and yeah. you haven't been through, through the training on what to say and what not to say, sometimes you don't say anything because you don't, you don't know how to say it. Mm. And so like, that's a real thing. And so in my opinion, it's better to say it wrong than to not say it at all. But Bianca, you know, we live in a day and age now. I just made the comment about the Jerry curl and who knows how, who knows who feels <laughs> what sort of way about that. My point is, is that I think that sometimes providers would rather not offend mm. than to say something where they're going to be in court or dragged on social media for being, being, being called a Karen and all the rest. That's a real thing. And so that is a consequence of us holding people's feet to the fire. We need to hold their feet to the fire. And that also means that people are going to talk less because if you don't say it, then you can't say it wrong. And I think that's another reason why, again, for me, the representation and, and who my providers are, are so important because I know I can have, you know, like, for instance, I <laughs> I talked to my therapist, who's also a black woman, once about my hair. Like we had this whole conversation about my hair and I know that she gets it. Like she could also like relate, like those things are important. So it wouldn't, I wouldn't think any kind of way if my, my, my black woman doctor said to me, Hey girl, what are you using on your hair? Because did you exactly, know this? exactly. But and I, I know that the, the pool of, of black female doctors is, is, is not as large as, and that's period. the thing. So yes. I've shared on this show before, I've shared on this show before that my primary care physician is an infectious disease doctor. He's a black gay man. We have very rich conversations. Mm. They've even at this, I've been, he's been my doctor for more than a decade at this point, they've become social. So the last time I saw him, he's showing me all the pictures from him and his husband on their vacation cruise. And we're just having a good Cute. old time. We are kikiing. And I'm pretty sure people in the other rooms are like, what are they doing in there? Cause they <laughs> laughing and having, is this a checkup or two friends getting together? But the point is, is that we have just developed this relationship and he recommends everything to me. And, but we have similar backgrounds. We have similar lifestyles. We have similar everything. And so it's just easier to the point that you were making. Not everyone has that. And so the question becomes, what do you do when you don't have a doctor that you can relate to? You live in small town USA and the only doctor there is Miss uh, Joanne and Joanne is Joanne. And so you just have to work with her. 
we get it. Um, and which is why it's so important to talk about these breast cancer rates and so that you can raise with Joanne, even if Joanne doesn't raise with you. I don't know why I picked that name today. Uh, these are some <laughs> things we need to talk about. Bianca, we're using cancer.org, which is the American Cancer Society. I want to give some facts. If you can pull up the four tips, I'll first give the facts and then I'll have you do the four tips. So here's just some things that the American Cancer Society is telling us about um, Black women and cancer. Uh, they say there's been a shift in cancer rates overall. And, and there's been actually a steep decline in the number of lung cancer deaths. And so when we think about lung cancer and all the other types of cancers, they've either leveled off or they're on the decline. However, the number of breast cancer deaths continue to rise because of aging and the growth of the population. And so they're attributing the fact that we have more breast cancer deaths in part to the fact that people are living longer. And for whatever reason, um, breast cancer and longer lives just become more prominent. Black women are more likely to die from most cancers and to live the shortest amount of time after a cancer diagnosis than any other racial and ethnic group. And that applies to all cancers in general. The American Cancer Society goes on to say that the overall Black-white cancer disparity is slowly narrowing mostly due to a steeper reduction in cigarette smoking by Black people than by white people in the 1970s and 1980s. So in other words, um, Black folks have given up the cigarettes. Congratulations on that. And this is actually uh, contributing to um, a shortening of the disparity in the number of Black people getting cancer versus white people. I will share this article, Bianca. It was very interesting to me. It goes on to talk about um, prostate cancer deaths among Black men. It really gives you some very good information about all the different types of cancers and why they are declining or increasing. The bottom line is this. This is a statistic that, that kind of blew me away. Black women are twice as likely to die from uterine cancer as white women and 41% more likely to die from breast cancer despite similar are lower incidence rates. And that is really a blaring red light headline. On the actual page that I'm using to read this, it's in like huge font, <laughs> double bold. And I think they're trying to reinforce that that's crazy. That is absolutely crazy. 41% more likely to die from breast mm -hmm. cancer, that's black women than white women, despite similar or lower incidence rates. So Bianca, this to me, you know what that tells me? That tells me that early detection is not there. That mm. tells me that treatment options are not there. That tells me that that's fixable because if your incidence rates are actually the same or lower, then your death rates should be the same or lower. That's, okay. there should be a correlation there. And the fact that there isn't tells you everything you need to know about uh, prevention and about the, the level of access that we're seeing from black women versus white women. Period. So let's get into these tips, what Black women need to know about breast cancer. So one of the first ones that they have here is just knowing the facts. Um, and they're talking specifically about um, genetics. So it says research indicates that genetics may play a part in this high risk disparity and the risk may differ depending on a black woman's ancestry specifically in the case of triple negative breast cancer so it's just going on to to mention um that it's important for black women to know their risk for breast cancer so um and and to educate them on ways to to be proactive and any preventative measures based on 
you know, your, your, your genetics, your family history, etc. And I think that that is usually true for, I mean, that's true for a lot of things. Anytime we go, especially to a new doctor, you're filling out the forms about your family medical history, etc. But I don't know, sometimes that can get tricky. Because again, I can tell you, you know, about my mother's things, my father's things, and family things can't necessarily speak on as much in the same way. So but it's definitely important because we know there's risk. The second one tip I like is get screened and bring a friend. I love to, oh, I love the idea of bringing a friend. It starts off by saying early detection is the best protection. Come on with the rhyme. Even though black women are more likely to have triple negative breast cancer, if we catch these women at the earliest stage of breast cancer, there's a better chance of survival, which is is really true for for from what i know any cancer the earlier the detection the better but it mentions which we already talked about yearly mammograms starting as early as the age of 40 if they want to but they recommend that yearly they should definitely be happening by the age of 45. It says black women are more likely to be diagnosed at a younger age with some with more aggressive tumor subtypes. So, I, so they recommend going annually starting at the age of 40. Again, January 1, Bianca turns 40. By the end of January, I'm going to be smashing these here titties in <laughs> one of those machines. Um, but it's it's nice because it talks about going with a friend and having um, in order to hold each other accountable. And I think that that is important because it's it's scary, right? Like this is something that, yes, you know, you have to do, but what if? And so just being able to have that support of somebody else with you, I think definitely makes um, makes a difference. And I've heard, and once again, my mother's had quite a few mammograms, so I've heard, I've heard that it is not comfortable. It's literally smashing your boobs into two plates and they turn them and it is not, it ain't it. However, <laughs> I know that I'm, I am sure, and I have never had can- breast cancer, that that is still not as bad as actually having cancer and having to go through all of the treatments. I have to say, I didn't even know what the screening was for breast cancer. I like it never even crossed my mind to think, okay, what is the test for this? So, so not to get graphic. So they don't smash them to, cause you're making you, the viewers, the viewers, the listeners can't see what you're doing. You're making it sound like they squish them. They do. <laughs> so they do. So you essentially like put your breasts on a, I don't even know how to describe it. On a platter? It. Yes. <laughs> And then on or, a like a, tray. <laughs> or like a clamp. And then a, apparently they, they push it down. They smush it. <laughs> now, see, I've, I don't know why I thought this. I thought it was similar to an MRI. Like you just, you either lay down or you stand up oh, and they like cute. take a little radioactive picture and then they look at the titties. Like I thought that, and then they touch. I thought that's what it was. I didn't know that they were squishing your breasts together, your breasts together. Smashing them together. Well, who wants to go through that? <laughs> exactly. Which is why a lot of people don't until it's too late, right? So yes, it. but again, but having have known, because uh, I, I I do know some folks who um, have had breast cancer, in cancer period the the treatment and everything is a lot is 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 life changing and difficult. So far more difficult than smashing a titty in the tray. 
Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> number three, don't believe. It says don't believe the myths. There is understandably a lot of fear around breast cancer diagnosis, but it's important to be aware of the many advances in medical care. For example, um, some patients have expressed concern that if they receive a diagnosis of cancer and the surgery, the surgery could cause the cancer to spread. This is false. And then it also goes on to just um, just kind of a list of, of different myths that are out there in terms of um of breast cancer one of the things and i think this this might have come out a little bit this may have come out a little while ago because they're talking about how which i think we even mentioned in the show how folks were putting off medical appointments etc due to covid just concerns about about getting covid and so they kind of talk about you know your risk of getting covid while getting a mammogram is very low but anywho regardless, it's important to have this done. And then lastly, number four is to know your breast. Women should be doing the breast self-exam every month. And they usually recommend that you do that in between your cycle in the shower and kind of, you know, feeling your breast, feeling for what, you know, any, any changes, any discharge, any pains, any lumps, like you should be familiar enough with your breast that if something doesn't feel right, you're catching it, you're catching it early and bringing it to your doctor's attention. Now they tell them in the same thing with the testicular cancer, mm -hmm. do you feel like women a, know their bodies enough and B, are doing these self-checks. Um, and you know why? I don't think we should assume that people are doing these, Bianca, or know how to do them or feel comfortable doing them. I know I'm I'm very familiar with this her body over here, but <laughs> I'm wondering about everyone else. I don't know if, you know, it's interesting because we also have, some folks don't touch their bodies, right? Like- We just, could do a whole show on that. We could do a whole show. Or not yes but we couldn't do it this month because this month is about touching your body so we'll <laughs> it do it is. next month but you are absolutely correct some some folks not one of the things that i think are helpful that i've seen i think my cousin used to have one in the shower so they make these shower because they recommend doing it in the shower because the warm water and you're very relaxed and it's easier for you to like feel the lumps but there is like this little kind of hanging they look like the door, like the do not disturb signs <laughs> that you put on the door. I don't know what those do are. Do not called. disturb me. I'm touching these here today. <laughs> but it hangs in the it hangs on the shower head and it has instructions on how to do the breast exam. So it's really cool because you're in the shower, which is a great place to do it anyway. And the instructions are right there. And so you kind of see it on a regular basis. That's like, oh, while I'm here soaping up, let me also, you know, check to see if anything is is out of order. But again, some folks are just not are not are not touching or are not as intimate with with their bodies as they should be. I went to Rehoboth. This is this is a complete cyber, and then we have to move on. I went to Rehoboth recently with some of my friends, and I know I y'all y'all probably think people who haven't met me probably think I'm the biggest racist, but I assure you, this is it's relevant <laughs> to this story. I was with three white queens. And one of them got out of the shower and I noticed because we were sharing a room and he was just sitting on the couch and his entire lower leg was full of sand because we'd gone to the beach that day. And I was like, Ryan, your your legs are full of sand. You just got out of the shower. He's like, oh, I, I, I oh, okay. Can you help me get this off? And I'm like, sure. And then I was like, but Ryan, you were just in the shower. He's like, yeah, I don't, I don't wash my lower leg. I was like, ma'am, what? <laughs> 
So wait, so wait, no, wait, back up. Because hold on, there is, remember that was like a big thing on like all the social medias about white people not washing their legs. Nope, no. And so that's true because they I were saying, why wash them? The water's just going to run that's down. What, and that's that, exactly what he said. But clearly Bianca, it I doesn't. Had I had never seen that on social media. I had never heard it before. And then my other two white friends came in and they were like, oh yeah, this is a thing among some white people don't wash their whole legs. And I'm like. I have, I am 45 years of age in the, in the year of our Lord. I've been on this planet for almost five decades. I had never, I never knew that some people don't wash their entire body in the shower. And he's like, yeah, I don't wash my legs. I'm like, how fucking dirty are your legs? You mean, <laughs> I was, Bianca, I was blown away. <laughs> I just don't understand. Wait, but you know, I don't understand the reasoning or rationale as to why not wash your legs. Like, why not? I get all the way down in betwixt these here toes, honey. Like, I am scrubbing all of the things. I don't understand the bottom of my feet. And some people are, I've heard like, oh, they don't wash the bottom of the feet because they figure if your feet are in the water, they're getting clean, but that's not how it works. Uh, and now I have to do a disclaimer because Ryan does occasionally listen to the show. So Ryan, if you're listening, <laughs> Even with your dirty, unwashed legs, I still love you. And you could do, you do you. <laughs> Just know that I'm going to, I'm going to care for you regardless. We're moving on. <laughs> you are terrible. We have got to stop using people's names. That is so. <laughs> well, I didn't use his last name. He's just a government official. <laughs> no. I'm going to tell you what agency it works for. We're moving on. I don't. So many questions. Why was there still sand on there? The, okay, never mind. The sand never was mind. on there because he didn't, you know why? Because he didn't wash his, his legs. So how is the sand going to get off, Bianca? But you're not even trying to rinse that, wrench it off. <laughs> and you know what? You've met this person too. You don't even remember meeting oh him. Oh my God. Hopefully he didn't have dirty legs when you saw him. In this week's... <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> In this week's all the feelings. I'm going to hell, but you know what? Bianca's coming with me. In this week's All the Feels, we continue Orgasmic October. And this week, we're examining the ins and outs of leather and lace. Where did the fetish originate? And what's your leather persona? So Bianca, how excited are you for this combo? Now, I know that you don't know a whole lot about this because you're very vanilla, we've already established. <laughs> I am a vanilla voyeur, thank you very much. <laughs> You have that's your persona. Um, we're yes. gonna start with this very first article here from Sophia Gray blog. It's called The Introduction to Leather and Lace. I'm sorry, the introduction to leather and kink culture. And I just want to do some some level setting here on definition. So I'm gonna speak a lot today, Bianca, about leather. But the reason I wanted to frame the conversation as leather and lace is because they're kind of two ends of the same spectrum. So I'm most familiar with the leather community because I'm a part of it, not as much for like the lace play, but it's really, it's two ends of the same stick or two sides of the same coin, whatever analogy you wanna use. Some people like the, the feelness and the roughness of the leather and some people like the lace for just for, the, for opposite reasons. You know, just like some men like to wear some leather chaps other men may like to wear some leather panties. I mean, some lace panties. I think people can understand that. So when we say leather, just keep in mind that it can be from, from both ends. As it relates to origin, Bianca, 
This has been around for quite some time. Um, I did some research here to just, to just make sure that I was super, super clear myself, because as you know, I'm very young. And so I wanted to make sure that I was really clear on the origin of all of this. And so I checked a few different sources and each source that I saw said that it started around the 1940s or 1950s. And so, you know, the leather culture involves the use of leather garments like jackets, vests, boots, chaps, harnesses for sexual purposes. It's not just a style of dress, the fashion is sexually arousing, but it also allows people from the culture to identify with each other. This would look like wearing lots of leather or distinctive items like harnesses rather than just wearing a leather jacket. And so that's like just a very simple definition of leather culture. As it relates to me, Bianca, I don't really get into leather pants or leather jackets, but I do have an array of harnesses. I have an array of leather bands and things like that. And so I can really speak to how, you know, there's so much variance in the leather culture. And so again, and I said this two weeks ago when we were talking about our sexual evolutions and, and the kink stuff last week, I really want people to broaden, when I say leather culture, kind of broaden what that looks like. And so it could mean that you're doing like restraints, BDSM, paddles, that sort of play. It could absolutely include that, but it doesn't have to. And so that's always something that I very point out because I feel like the when you say leather, I think what's conjured is not something that most people would see themselves in. But when you think about it in the broader context, it becomes more of something that people say, oh, well, I never thought of that as being a part of the leather community per se, but it actually is. So <laughs> I think it's just interesting. Leather period. I When I think leather, it always makes me hot. Not like a hot in a sexy way, but like just temperature. I don't want leather pants because my legs are going to sweat, but I also have thick thighs and they rub together. So maybe that's not it. Um, so I would probably be more on the lace side. And until, you know, we started doing this show and just kind of having these conversations, I didn't even know that there was, you know, the lace aspect. I, I had always heard of leather I've definitely heard of the the leather community and the bars and just all of that, Onyx, et cetera. But I don't know, what drew you to, to leather? So I, as I've shared on this show previously several times, I've always had an affinity for older men. I've always had an affinity for spanking. And so I've always had an affinity for things that were kind of leather adjacent, if you will. And so like when you go to things like Folsom and these other events, you just kind of experience things and you're like, okay, well, I want to dibble and dabble in that and see where I fit in. I had put a link into this art and a link into our arc about the leather boys, which we'll get into, which is my leather persona, because I've mentioned this previously. So I wanted to circle back on the show and share a little bit about that and the distinction between the different personas. So we'll talk about that. But for me, Bianca, it was really just kind of trial and errors. Like, I like this, I don't like that. And, you know, again, like some people do full leather, like there's pageants where people participate. I would, I don't think I would ever do a leather pageant. I don't even think that I, I don't even have an interest really in leather pants and leather jackets. I like the leather boots. I like the harnesses. I like the, the sportier pieces. That's kind of where I fit in. But again, where I, my lead off is that there's so many different ways to experience it that I think that that's the takeaway point is that you can, you can be a part of it through any number of ways. And then just to go back to the lace here for a second, you know, I think we see the lace a lot in the BDSM, in the, in the Dom submissive play. So if you have the dominatrix and she's going to wear the leather, 
you know, stilettos and she's got the whip and maybe she's dressed a certain way. And then her sub, whether it's a, a woman or a guy or whomever, you might see them in lace because if you, if you have leather and lace in the same scene, and we can talk about what a scene is, then by design, the lace would be more submissive. The leather would be more dominant. That's kind of like what that would signify in that particular scene. And so depending on what you want to convey to your partner, if you want to show submissiveness to your dominatrix, for example, maybe you put on some lace panties. Um, and for and for men, for, for cis men who are usually in charge either at work or at home, to I think the high, Bianca, if you're trying to understand like what's the arousal here, it's the giving up of power and having someone else be in charge for, for a time. And so I think that's the high, quote, so to speak, is that, oh, someone else is in charge. They're telling me what to do. They're being in control of the situation. I like the fact that they've restrained me to the bed or tied my hands behind my back, or I don't know exactly what they're going to do next. That's kind of like the whole point of it. We should have a dominatrix on the show. <laughs> oh my God, we're moving on. <laughs> So many things. So on this article, Bianca, I'm down where it says leather and BDSM. I wanted to read this for the wanders just to be super clear about this. It's a it's a few bars down on this linked article. It says leather and BDSM are very closely tied together. The leather community has engaged in BDSM practices since its inception, which is a big part of the reason we associate them with each other. Leather has become an icon of kinky sex for many people, regardless of sexual orientation. But why do leather and BDSM fit together so well? First, there's a utilitarian purpose. Leather is the perfect material to make durable clothes, restraints, and other sex objects out of. It's multifaceted and leaves room for a lot of interpretation. So in other words, Bianca, when you want to make a paddle, you know, a, uh, you can make a paddle out of anything, but wood and leather make the best paddles. And so leather just kind of lends itself because you, you said, I think a little while ago, you're like, well, why leather? Because yeah. if you want something that's going to be durable and last, leather is it. And so I think that that's part of it. And then the second part, just a little bit further down, it says putting on leather can make you feel powerful, more sexually attractive and more dominant. Remember Catwoman? And then this can put you in a dominant headspace and lead to rougher, more exciting sex. On the flip side, when your dom puts on their boots and harness, they can transform into a different version of themselves, letting you let go and serve them. You can also grovel while wearing a leather ball gag or leather restraints. I'm going to ask you something. I once had a friend, um, a cis lesbian friend, and, um, you know, she was sharing with me how when she's with certain girls, something about putting on that strap on, she's like, Isaiah, I don't know what it is about this strap on. They put it on and it's just become a whole nother one. <laughs> it's just, I'm, I don't understand. So do you understand the concept of someone putting on leather and really kind of transforming into another persona and it really kind of lets them let go? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I think... I think if I was trying to convey it to the wanderers, it's really that it kind of, it puts you in the mood in the same way that a candle or some music or some smells might put you in the Costumes. mood. For like, exactly. It's, it's, very <laughs> it's very analogous, Bianca. The leather is really more about something that prompts you to bring out something that's inside. I think that's the easiest way to describe it to people. I am here for that. Now that you put it that way, Yes, because I think there is something about <clears throat> I, I even and it can be for any kind of article of clothing uh, for folks that for some it could be that sexy pair of pumps, that new wig, 
all of a sudden, you know, there's a different type of, of confidence or sexiness or whatever, whatever you're, you know, is getting you excited. Um, it's okay. I, I can, I can understand. I could understand that for leather. This also triggered a reminder for me though. I remember, <laughs> damn it, Doreen. <laughs> <laughs> when I was young and I would get in trouble and my mother would say, go get, go get me a belt. And I would never want to get a leather belt because I know that shit hurt. I would try to go get something cloth <laughs> or fabric <laughs> or something gentle. And she'd be like, now, nah, girl, you know, that is not what I meant. Um, so I think that's another reason why leather wouldn't, I don't know, wouldn't turn me on because I think it would be, uh, it might be triggering. Tell me about being a leather boy. Um, can we get to that last? Because there are actually a few more things I want to just throw to throw uh -huh. in here in just a second. So in the this is the one from a queer and present danger blog. If you wanted to pull that up towards the bottom, Bianca, it says, where does it all come from and what does it mean? So that's the part that I wanted to to cover for you and the wander. So as usual, we're going to share all of these articles, Bianca. This one talks about the origins of sadio, um, of, ooh, now he, another word I can't pronounce. Sadomasochism. S&M. <laughs> we're not doing all that today, y'all. We're not. This talks about the origin of, of S&M, and we're not, for the sake of time, folks can read, Bianca. I'm not going to get into that. But this very next part, I think, is very important. So um, the language that we use here and kind of how, um, what the kind of the guidelines are for play, I think, are very important. So this article talks about role play and what that is and how it relates to SM. It talks about top and bottom. And, um, and, and for this, we're, it's more than just, you know, it may involve intercourse or not. It talks about what a scene is. And I wanted to talk a little bit about this because these are some terms that you that are thrown around frequently so it says there are also plenty of simple terms when you engage in an act of bdsm the act is called a quote-unquote scene since that manifestation of sexual desires can be almost considered a theatrical as it's similar to a piece of theater. If we engage in the exchanging of money for the scene, then it transforms into a session. The scene is simply the community of BDSM in a region, i.e. all of the organizations, groups, parties, classes, social events that involve BDSM. So the reason I wanted to share that, Bianca, most people probably don't know that quote-unquote scene grew out of the S&M community, and it actually has a meaning. And so we so I I the reason I wanted to share that is because sometimes we use words and we don't actually know the origin of them or where they got started. When someone says, "Oh, I'm not into the scene," I don't think that they actually mean S and M, but that's where that word came from. And I was just I just thought it was fascinating. <laughs> this is because I would have never one. You just be bringing information and knowledge sometime, and I appreciate that about you, friend. But the fact that it is considered theatrical, like it now seems like it makes sense. Just reading it like this makes sense. And then, but when there's money, it turns into a session. Interesting. And the reason I think that this makes sense is because think about actors in a play. They're they're their normal selves, but when they put on their costumes and they start reading their lines, they're no longer them, they're now. They're now in the scene. They're now part mm -hmm. of the play. And when you're in SM, when you're in the leather community, when you're when you're about to play, you put on your whatever your whatever makes you hot, 
Mm-hmm. And then your partner puts on whatever makes them hot. And now you're in the scene together. So you're no longer Bianca and Isaiah. You're whatever your personas are. And in this space, in your play space, now you can let go and act out your scene, whatever your scene is. And it gives people, for folks who don't are trying to conceptualize what this is, I think that that's a good visual for people to kind of understand what's happening. Now, B, I think the safe words are pretty straightforward. I, don't, I think most wanderers would know what the safe words are, but just in case you don't, Sometimes when you're in play, you might you might say things, you might say ouch, you might cry, you might do all these things that you actually enjoy. So you establish a safe word. And when you use the word, it just tells your partner that I'm being serious. I'm actually that actually does hurt. I don't I want to stop this. So establishing a safe word is important. This article also talks about negotiation, which is very important when someone's about to strap you down. <laughs> Let's be clear Hello. about the rules. <laughs> Hello. Isaiah, do you have a safe word that you use? I actually don't. Um, I mean, I can sometimes, sometimes the guy might ask for one and then I just pick, I don't have one that I use regularly. Um, So uh, (laughs) I think the last one I used was Starbucks. (laughs) Why would you say Starbucks in the middle of sex? (laughs) What's your safe word, BBI? Oh my gosh. That is hilarious it's a perfect perfect surf wave for me though isn't it 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 is so good um you're right like it was it would have to be something that you would not use during sex so maybe like pickles or grandma and to that point i like safe words that will make the person laugh so like if you use a safe word that's going to make them give a laugh it's a perfect safe word because once you say it it'll, it'll completely break whatever scene you're in and it'll bring them back oh, okay because now they're probably going to start laughing so it's like those are good safe words your safe word can't be something hot because no. It's just no no don't do that no no no, no. Starbucks, that's so good now Costco. i'm not now i'm not into like having my mouth gagged but i'm i've always wondered what would you what's your safe mechanism when you can't Ooh. speak and i didn't if, unless you caught it, I didn't see that in any of the articles that we linked here. So maybe I'll do some research on that and put that on social media. That is very interesting. Would it then be a body motion? But if your mouth is gagged and maybe you're tied down or something, like what can you do? What? Do, ooh. I, I don't know, but I'm sure there's something. There, there has to be some way to convey Mm-hmm. It may be blinking your eyes a certain way or or mm. I don't know, but there has to be some way to convey to your partner to communicate with your with your scene partner if your mouth is gagged or if you are tied down. Because let's face it, restraints are really big in the leather community. Ball gags, girl, everyone's got a ball gag. So it's like <laughs> you need to figure out a way to like communicate. Well, I'll do some research and let y'all know. Bianca, do you know the difference between a sir, a master, a daddy, and a dom? No, but I know you're going to tell me. <laughs> but I know that also these all came up when we did the kink test. So Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. let's start there and then we'll get into me. So I think it's important. This goes back to like, I think what's going to be my like theme for this show, which is that there's so many different ways to experience this. Bianca, I think it goes without saying terms like master and slave is not going to work for some people. Some people lean into that. Some people don't lean into that. And it really is a personal choice. And when you meet um, a guy or a woman who's a dom, some of them, and I'm just going to speak to guys since that's my experience. Some guys like to be called sir. Some like to be called master. Some like to be called daddy. Some like to be called dom. Some want to just be called by their names. It just really depends on how they 
experience their fetish and what makes them hot. So let's, if we just take them one by one, some men are turned off by being called daddy. They don't like that because to, to them, it, it, it like conveys some sort of paternal relationship. And they're like, that, that feels icky to me. For other men, they're like, I don't call me master. That's, that's, that's not something I want to lean into. That, that word has a tortured history and I don't, I don't want that label on me. And then other men are like, you can call me sir. Like that, that conveys, I'm uncomfortable in that, that framework. So Bianca, it literally depends on your comfort level. It's like what you want to be comfortable with. You know, some men are comfortable being called pigs and some people are like, don't call me that. <laughs> <laughs> so when it comes mm -hmm. to the doms, it literally just, it, 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 Bianca, it's as simple as what they want to be called. Now I can mm -hmm. tell you, daddies tend to be more assertive and affectionate, whereas masters and sirs tend to be a little bit more, um, what's the word? Non-affectionate and kind of like straightforward. Okay. That's the easiest way to describe it. And mm -hmm. so like the, the daddy boy relationship is a little bit more nuanced, whereas mm -hmm. the master slave is a little bit more uh, just about getting off, just about it's a clinical. And then the sir uh, sub relationship, again, there's no like, uh, there's no paternal things in there. There's no affection in there. It really depends on it, on couple to couple, but loosely speaking, that's how you would differentiate all of those. So, cause what you just described in my head, it sounds to me as if like daddy boy, master slave to me, sounds like very different ends of the sec, the spectrum. So would sir subs kind of fall somewhere in the middle? Then? Yes. Yes, okay. I think Got so. Um, and now I'm on the article, the uh, the final article, which talks about the leather boys. So I'm just going to read some definitions here for level setting, and then you and I can discuss. So I'm at the very top of the article, Bianca. The use of the word quote unquote boy in the leather scene and more generally in the kink space has become one of the most frequent and overacted terms you can run into. Actually, in leather culture, being a boy is an actual title and comes with the meaning rights and duties. Let's start with who is not a leather boy, just to clarify a few things. And so this article goes on to talk about what a leather boy isn't. And I think this is important to kind of say off the top. A boy is a very different figure from the general submissive or the slave. While the term sub indicates the general submissive identity, meaning um, a slave is a submissive, a boy is a submissive, a submissive bottom can be submissive while not being a slave or a boy say that 10 times fast, and is generally used to define a person who has not had a fixed identity associated with their personality. The term boy, just like the term slave, indicates a very specific identity. It is a title, and as with all titles, uh, it should have to do with a strong authenticity. A lot of times, Bianca, people assume that if you're a dom, then you're going to be the top. If you're the boy, you're going to be the bottom. That's not it. That's, that's, that's not it. That's not how it works. You can be a bottom and be a dom. You can be a, a dom and be a bottom. I mean, it, it can go in all different directions. This very first one, it says a little boy is not just younger and is not just a submissive bottom. So the first thing you, I want to say, and I think we said this once before. So when you say, when we use this term boy, then the, the, uh, I think the first assumption is that, oh, he's going to be young. No, not at right. all. Right. I mean, cause you already told us that you're 62. And you're not boy, at all. So that. <laughs> clearly not a thing <laughs> quote unquote boys don't have to be younger and the daddies don't have to be older it's a state of mind mm. it's how it's how you it's how you comport yourself in the quote unquote scene and so you could be a 20 year old daddy if in the scene 
you prefer to be assertive, okay. dominant, and in charge. Whereas you can be a 70-year-old boy if in the scene, you're going to be submissive to the dom in the scene. You with me, Bianca? I am. So I think that that's the first thing that I would say. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it gives this whole long list of- uh, It's a long list. We're not even gonna, <laughs> we, that's way, way too much to get into that. In this next, this next section, Bianca, I think is a little bit more kind of like um, informative. So it says, what does being a boy mean in the leather life? And it talks about kind of like the old guard versus the new guard. And by just shorthand, remember, I'm going to share these articles. This, this community has been around since the 40s and 50s, Bianca, and it started very heteronormative, kind of like the idea that, you know, someone's going to be dominant, someone's going to be submissive, cis people are going to be involved, and it's going to be heteronormative in that way. Mm -hmm. and, and what it has grown out of and into since is the inclusion of more people, women, for example, trans people, for example, more terms and terminologies for people that feel like they can fit into it. And so as with anything, this particular subculture has evolved. And so if you were to do research on the leather culture, you might see something that says the old guard versus the new guard. The shorthand for that is just new guard means it's more evolved, it's more current. It goes without saying, that's if you're a boy in the leather community, you are being mentored, you're kind of learning the ropes, you're kind of um, learning the ways of the leather community. I've once shared that your first piece of leather should be given to you and not purchased because that's that's kind of like what the community does to kind of like shepherd in new members. And it is not unusual, Bianca, for boys to later become doms and and daddies and, and sirs in their own right. It's it's not everyone goes that path. There's a lot of people that take different paths, but it would not be unusual in the slightest. Um, just a couple of, of these bullets here. It says a boy is a newcomer to the letter scene, introduced by a mentor or looking for one. One can be a boy and then involve into what is uh, a deeper identity, such as a slave, a dog, a horse, a pig, a pet, a sir, a master, whatever. Being a boy is about identity first of all. Some may need to go back to being a boy and allow themselves to learn and absorb under the guide of someone to look up to or some others who have figured it all out. And they find out such pleasure and satisfaction in their identity staying a boy versus moving on from that particular identity. So if you want to kind of understand where did that term come from, I think if we were to go back to where kind of leather boy originated, it grew out of this idea that I'm learning, someone's showing me the ropes. I don't, and 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 while I'm learning the ropes, I'm the quote unquote boy, and then I'm gonna grow up and and mature within this scene. I think that's kind of the origin point of that particular word. I have so many questions. This is fascinating. Um, so do you plan to, as, as they say, you can evolve into another identity. Do you plan to stay a boy? Are you evolving? What do you, what is, what is it for you? So right now I, I feel comfortable where I am right now. Okay. And, um, and so it's, it's a kind of a hard question to answer because mm. as you meet new people and you have new experiences, then you start to consider all sorts of things that you had, you had never even thought about. Like, you know, mm. 15, 20 years ago, if we would have been having this conversation, this would not have been my identity. And I, I probably wouldn't have even something that I would have said to you that I was interested in, but okay. you know, you meet people and you experience things and you're like, okay, so I'm, I'm understanding it a little bit more. My depth of knowledge is deeper. And so I, and so of all the different identities, this is kind of the one that speaks to me. So this is where I'm comfortable, but who I may meet someone and I'm like, oh, well, I, I, I want to try this new persona because with you, 
that kind of makes me hot. Ah, okay. At the very bottom, being honest, is the types, the different types of boys. And did you see these? Scroll down. So oh they gosh. have alpha boy, beta boy, sissy boy, pussy boy. <laughs> we don't, y'all, I apologize. We don't have time to get into all of this because oh um, we can do a whole show on all the different personas. But Bianca, here's the here's the here's the kind of gist of it. It it just it becomes it's a subculture that becomes deeper and deeper and deeper. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people participate at the very surface level, but then some people like to take it, you know, deeper and deeper. And it just, it depends on your, uh, your comfort level. Last thing I'll say, you know, sometimes since boy is my leather persona, I've often had men say to me, are you comfortable with that? Cause you're a black man, et cetera, et cetera. And then, so, you know, there's a lot of unpacking you have to do. Yeah. One of the things that I always say about leather and lace, it is it is a fantasy and fetish. And you really, I wall it off from like real life society. And because once you start to like consider master and slave in the context of real life, it just, now it's no longer fun. Now it's like, oh, well, do we really, do we really want to unpack all that? Where I sit on it, Bianca, is that if it makes you hot, if it's consensual, if it's safe and sane, go with it. If you, if you allow yourself to get into the like, well, let's sit down and have a theoretical conversation about whether or not Isaiah really should be called a boy in the bedroom. So now it's, no, now the dicks are limp. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> because I, okay, you know what? Because I, I am thinking that way. Like, as Black folks, can we use some other terms? Should we be? Um, is there a difference? Would there be any difference in your experience if you were a sub and not a boy? I think in my, the reason I am encouraging people to compartmentalize mm -hmm. is because every single one of these works is problematic in some way. Okay. Like, sir is problem. Uh, mm -hmm. when, I, when I hear sir, I think of mister. Mm. <laughs> yeah, if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. I'm not even yes. gonna explain the reference. So to me, sir can be problematic. Master, obviously. Dom, mm -hmm. Dom of what? You know, so so mm -hmm. Bianca, if we're if I'm being honest, every one of these on some level requires some compartmentalization. It just depends on how much compartmentalizing you wanna you wanna do. And so yes, I could pick sub, but like a black man being a sub, what's that about too? I mean, like you could argue, you could argue from a number of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Woke B is struggling. <laughs> so I think, I think, um, I th so I, the, the easiest way for me to explain it to you is that you have to wall off uh, leather play and, yeah. and role play from like real life and really compartmentalize and just not the words, the, the nomenclature that's used in leather play is it means certain things and it has nothing to do with, with the real world. And, and yeah. once you try to like, make it make sense in both worlds within now, you know, now it's no longer hot. Now you're just having a philosophical conversation about life, which is fine, <laughs> but that's not, that's not hot. That's, that's not over here. That's not the scene. <laughs> fascinating, my friend. Absolutely fascinating. And I meant to tell you, as you were talking about the different types of boy, um, got me thinking to our conversation last week about the different types of polyamory and all of the, yes, I have gone down a poly rabbit hole. You hear me? We, I'm now following <laughs> all of these different black poly folks. And there's so many podcasts, which I'm definitely not going to shout out now. There was one I was listening to last night, but there is just so much information 
out there that has just opened my eyes in in the world of um, ethical non-monogamy. And so, yeah, I just, what a time. I hope, I hope the children are learning from every episode of this show. All right. I agree 100%. And I hope that, um, I feel like we went through that segment quite quickly. There's a lot of resources. If you have a question about it, send it in Ooh. to wardenwebster at gmail.com. We do have a segment of wanderisms coming up next week where we can cover these a little bit more in depth because we would love to know what you think about the leather and the lace. In this week's Gotta Do, we get you prepared for Halloween 2022 with our annual toolkit for avoiding controversy and picking the best costumes and candy. Plus, we rank the scariest TV shows of all time. It's a wonderful time of the year. <laughs> I really do love. <laughs> and as I and I mentioned last year, but as I get older, I love Halloween even more, enjoy it even more. Costume is already picked out. That's what I meant to ask you. Are you doing group costumes this year? Because last year y'all were Smurfs and that was adorable. Me and a couple of my friends are going to Amsterdam uh, next week for Halloween and I'm in charge of the costume, but I haven't actually picked it out yet. And one of them suggested that we just kind of pick them out when we get there. Um, so I'm kind of, I have a couple of loose ideas, but I have not landed on a costume yet, but I know that you're going to do a black figure. I think I had recommended someone to you. And then you were telling me that it wasn't going to fit in the tutu because it has to be a tutu. And I didn't understand that. And I still don't, <laughs> if I'm being honest. So that's where I'm going to be. I, I don't think my costume will be as elaborate as, as Vanity Smurf was last year, but I'm going to do, I'll come up with something. First, where are you landing? And then let me ask you about those two little uh, cheer-ins that you got. Definitely historical black. But with a twist, I'm doing something a little different this year. And you know, I never say before the show, you just have to wait. You just no, have you to said wait. last year because I, I pressured you on it. Because every year you say you don't want to say, and then last year- I'm, I'm definitely gonna... not going to say. <laughs> okay. But yes, All right, well, let's, let's You know, I, we, don't, we, don't have, we don't even have time because you have somewhere to be in 10 minutes. Let's get to Noah and Grace. Can you say what they're doing? <laughs> um, Noah's going to be Dr. Strange and Grace- <laughs> It's literally this costume called Funky Bones. So it's like, think of like a punk rock skeleton in neon colors. <laughs> I don't know, but she saw it online and thought it was very cute. It's literally like a rainbow skeleton, um, but she's excited and it comes with like clip on hair. I don't know. Last year they did kind of like a cosplay um, thing from their favorite show, uh, Craig of the Creek, and that was really cute. So they're definitely going in a different direction. And Noah has done kind of Marvel superhero type stuff before. Um, and I'm actually surprised because, I don't know, sometimes he acts like he's too old for Halloween. I'm like, dude, you're 10. We dressing up. Mommy's <laughs> You're dressing up. So yes, they are dressing up. We have starting this weekend, the Halloween parties. There's so many events and they are going to be wearing their costume at least two, three times. So I get my money's worth. So um, I don't know if we haven't talked about this um, uh, outside of recording. So I don't know. I um, kind of bit the bullet and started watching the Jeffrey, the Jeffrey, the Jeffrey Dahmer Netflix series. Um, and just to take a step back, this a lot of people have been calling this out as being um unnecessarily sensationalistic and traumatizing to the families because they didn't ask for the permission they didn't mm. ask the families for permission to retell their stories and their trauma so i just want to first and foremost flag that and say 
what what the hell um and and the from the family's perspective there's so many Jeffrey Dahmer movies and series out there. They were like, why do you need to make this? Now, in my defense, I've never watched any of the other ones. So I, I didn't I didn't even know there was that many out there, if I'm being honest. So like this was the first one that I knew that was prominent and that was well put together because Ryan Murphy did it. So I'm like, should I watch this? Should I not watch this? I finally just decided to watch it. It's 10 episodes on Netflix, Bianca, and I'm five episodes in. And I've learned so much about Jeffrey Dahmer, his family, his background, et cetera, et cetera. I'm halfway done. I'm actually not here to talk to y'all about that. Did you see that people are out here in these streets buying Jeffrey Dahmer costumes for Halloween? And so much so that eBay and some of the other like platforms had to like say we're not selling these y'all are doing y'all are doing the most like why are you why just why like I'm trying to understand all the things you could be why you would want to be a real life serial killer that is people are so weird <laughs> like people are weird I don't know so I have not watched I have not watched because again I remember when those stories broke and you know like just the existence and learning about Jeffrey Dahmer and all of the things and similar to what you said I know there's you know there have been documentaries and multiple things I have not gotten into it but at the same time serial killers are not my bag okay this one especially preying on black people and no but why? Why Jeffrey? Why a Jeffrey Dahmer costume? But people can say that about other. I don't know. There's a lot of crazy and ridiculous costumes, but I feel like Jeffrey Dahmer is much. So there are some historical figures who were real life killers, and so I think about Julius Caesar. I think about you know gladiators. I think about mm. all the costumes that people wear that we don't even kind of bat an eyelash at, and we're like, oh, you're Julius Caesar. That's a cute costume. But if you actually think about that person that's being like caricatured, yeah, that was a trashy ass person. And yeah. when you think about the Roman soldiers, they they killed quite a few people in the service of some bullshit. So like, what's the difference really between that and Jeffrey Dahmer? The only difference is that Jeffrey Dahmer is contemporary. The yes. families of his victims are still alive. And mm-hmm. so I think that that just, that just feels different. I didn't realize this, Bianca, but apparently people before have tried to dress up as, as Ted Bundy and, and some of these other people. And I'm like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Why are we doing that? I had, Bianca, I had no idea. But people he- also dress up as the devil. Well, <laughs> well, some people, I'm just going to give you the, the other side of it. Some people say the devil's made up. So like, it's worthy of parody. Now we're not, this is not a religious show. You, you believe what you believe, but I'm just giving y'all the other side of it. Um, I, I, I'm okay with the devil, but I'm not, I'm not okay with real life people, real life killers who kill people like, like Hitler, like, don't do it. Like, just, just don't do it. Don't do it. You know what I mean? Yes. Don't do it. I, I don't know what, but you know what? There are people who know that they are going, that, that make the conscious decision to choose a trash ass costume for that shock value. For shock it's value. the reason why white people are still doing blackface. 
Well, I think at this point, it's just kind of like a, a fuck you. They're kind of like, you, you. I think the people who do it at this point, you can't do it at this point and not say you weren't aware. Exactly. I think it's people who are saying, you, you don't get to tell me what to do. I can dress up what I want to dress up for as Halloween and get out of your feelings. I think that's what that is. And I think so. I, with that, though, I think the Jeffrey Dahmer costume is the same. Like, people are like, well, fuck you. I, I am fascinated and this is who I want to be. Not All right, I. so let's get into, I. so last year we did movies and I thought this year, can we talk about TV series? And before we get to this list, because I have a list on here, Bianca, when I was growing up, I think it was Monday night or Wednesday night on NBC. One of my favorite shows was Unsolved Mysteries. And I don't know why I watched it because it no. would scare <laughs> the shit out. The music, the guy who hosted the show, he was always standing in the dark outside in the woods. <laughs> It was like the scariest shit on TV. And it was just a show about unsolved mysteries, but it was so scary to me. Go to YouTube and watch unsolved mysteries, like no. the classic 90s version, and you will you will piss your pants. No, the answer is hell no. Let me tell you how scared I was of unsolved mysteries. I cannot recall ever watching a full episode because as soon as that music came on, I was running <laughs> to the television because couldn't find no remote, remote or there was no remote to turn it off. It Can't, so do it. Can't do it. Shut up. <laughs> Why did that exist? I would not watch that because so I think this is me too. And maybe even why I haven't watched the Jeffrey Dahmer. I struggle with anything scary that is based in reality. Unsolved mysteries, because it's like shit that like is real and they, they have not figured it out. I can't do it. I think it was the way that they just, the way that they produced the show. The guy was real pale. He was always <laughs> like by himself at night in a darkly lit place. And I'm like, if he had just been in a, in a bright daytime studio with some makeup on his face, it would not have been scary. It was it was the combination of the music, yes. him always in the dark outside. Like, yeah. looks, it's just the whole thing about it was scary. And I, they were clearly doing it on purpose because there was, you could do, you could do, you could do, unsolved mysteries without it being so scary but they mm -hmm. intentionally made it scary everything about it was scary now this list <laughs> I, half the shows on this list I didn't even really watch Bianca did, did any of these so let me let the wanders know what we're talking about because I do this all the time the list is from oh wait I don't even have the list open it's from Rolling Stone Okay, so go ahead. You want to dive into this list while I pull it up? So even as I'm looking, I and 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 horror is just not it's not necessarily for me anyway. But so there's things on here, some more contemporary things like American horror stories and Hannibal and um a few of those. But are those um, even the Walking scary? Dead? They're supposed to be. Yeah. I don't, to me, none of them are as scary as <laughs> Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> because this shit was I know. Because I don't even know if it's on the list because I haven't opened up all of them. But I remember I used to watch Tales from the Crypt <laughs> with that little creepy whatever. It's on there. Tales from the Crypt is on the list. Now, to me, Tales was funnier than it was scary because the Crypt Keeper just would make me laugh. Like, mm -hmm. I wasn't scared of that. I thought it was, it was funny to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I... But I'm looking at some of these and I'm like, I was also low scared of the Twilight Zone. That do 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 
Yeah, that was kind of scary. We're not, we not doing that. And then didn't they bring that back? I feel like that came back. Jordan Peele, maybe? Are you too old? I don't, that part I don't remember. Are you too old for Alfred Hitchcock Presents? Because that <laughs> shit was scary too. Yeah! when he came good evening good evening i'm like nope nope no good night because i'm not watching this (laughs) no no ma'am no ma'am no ma'am oh my gosh alfred hitchcock was mad creepy but i think there was something about it when i think of those and like twilight zone there was something dark and creepy about them it wasn't gory it was like just a different type of intense scary supernatural what the hell of it all kind of a edgar Allan poe feel <laughs> to it which is just different but nope i wasn't mm-mm, no could i even watch it now i don't even think so i don't know so they have in here the x-files which i never watched and then they have the number one on this list from rolling stone at number one on the scariest tv shows they have twin peaks i don't make fun of me i don't even know what that show was about i never watched a single episode but i certainly didn't think that think of i don't think of it as scary isn't it just a detective show i was thinking the same thing um i think i watched one or two episodes of twin peaks i know folks who were very into it when i was in high school but I don't know if I remember it being scary. Did they say why? They have a description here. Shall I read it for the wander? Sure. Let's just at least give them number one. Who killed Laura Palmer? Question mark. It was the driving question behind David Lynch and Mark Frost's small town murder masterpiece. But the answer was never going to be a matter of a simple who done it. Laura's death, like her life, concealed an ocean of evil beneath the surface, specifically a group of terrifying supernatural entities hailing from another place called the Black Ledge. (laughs) It's the Black Lodge. Why can't you read today? Why can't it be what I wanted it to be? I don't need you correcting me. No, because somebody, because somebody who watches Twin Peaks passionately is going to correct you. Know what, you know Bianca? Knowing what I know about the Wanders, I can guarantee you very few of our listeners watch this mess. <laughs> Look, we have had an increase in, in, in new in folks. In the diversity of listeners. <laughs> that too. And the folks listening. So all things are possible, but I bet you a Twin Peaks fan is going to slide into one of these DMs. Carry on. So, I mean, that's what it says. And so I didn't know. So I guess it's the supernatural part. Um, and I didn't know that the show was was predicated on a murder, I guess. Well, if that's the case, how to get away with murder could have been a, on this scary list. The, the Viola Davis TV show, because that was nothing but killing on there. This is sh- <laughs> This is true. But they just, I don't know. There's so many shows on here, though, that... I, yeah, I never watched, but even like True Blood, I did watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but I don't feel like that was scary. Anyway, we will share mm-hmm. this list. We have to get on out of here. Bianca didn't lost track of time. We got to get on out of here. We will share this <laughs> list on social media um, and let us know at wardenwebster at gmail.com what your scariest TV shows are. A few reminders. Next week, we'll be reviewing the book the Sex Chronicles by Zane. If you haven't read it, you still have one more week to read the book. Bianca and I are listening to it. I'm going to recommend that you make yourself some sort of adult beverage and listen to it, but you can do what you want to do. It's up to you. Also, next week, we're going to have our Wanderisms segment. This is where we re- respond and reply to viewer mail. 
viewer, I always think this is a TV show, <laughs> listener mail. So send in your questions about sex, your questions about kink, your questions about your leather persona and why I choose to be a leather boy and why that's problematic. Send us all those questions to wardandwebster at gmail.com. And in next week's Wanderisms segment, we will respond. I think we already got one or two in the bag, right? I think we do. And just a reminder for folks to make sure you go to kinktest.org to take that test. Cause I really do want to hear what your top three uh, kinky things are. <laughs> Send that. A reminder to follow us, like us and share our content. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Wait, did you straighten out the Facebook? Cause they were saying you were, you were not following the terms of service. I don't know why, because I said sex multiple times, child. I don't know. Um, they not gonna, no, they not gonna worry me in the meta. <laughs> be sure to like our content and be sure to leave a comment wherever you can at Elzo's platforms, hashtag Warden Webster. And remember you can visit our website every Saturday morning for brand new episodes of this show. It's wardenwebster.com. And if you need to write that down, it's wardandwebster.com. <laughs> so annoying. <laughs> You're so annoying. <laughs> I am uh I am getting out of here. <laughs> On that note, I am Bianca. I prefer a cotton blend over leather ward. <laughs> and I'm Isaiah. I prefer a leather chalk over anything else. <laughs> Webster. We'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>